some uh, old D&D action. It's D&D! It's D&D! I'm going to start my neck. Did you just hurt? Did you just hurt yourself? Just I just I just tweaked a little something something right there. Just you just hurt yourself just sitting just here, sitting here having a conversation and singing. Welcome out loud. to a spirited life where you hurt your neck singing. Yeah, welcome to a spirited <laughs> life where we can't be that spirited because we get injured if we do. We won't have a life. I'm Mark. I'm Christine. This week we're going to be talking about getting started in financial independence. We're going to talk a little bit about our journey and how we began and give you some pointers about where you can potentially begin as well. Our Whiskey of the Week is going to align kind of with our theme of independence. It comes from an independent bottler that we really enjoy. And then we are going to talk about what filled our spirit this week. We want to live a spirited life. We're documenting our journey towards financial independence while balancing that with living in the present and enjoying our time in the journey. While we want to work towards financial independence, there's no guarantee for what tomorrow will bring. We don't want to wait to enjoy our lives because tomorrow isn't promised. We want to share our journey to help keep ourselves intentional and accountable. And we invite you to come along with us as we work towards living a spirited life. Our Whiskey of the Week comes to us from Frey Ranch, who truly is independent in just about every way that you can think of. They are a grain-to-glass distillery, which means that they're growing their own grains. They are processing those grains. They're then turning those into the, the mash and then distilling that down and then aging that all at Frey Ranch, which is in Nevada. It truly is... Uh, an example of independence and being able to uh, create something that is uh, that they have ownership of and they can take pride of in because they've produced it from start to finish. And Frey Ranch is another great distillery that is um, transparent about what is in their mash bill. It is 66.6% yellow dent corn, 10% winter wheat, 11.4% winter rye and 12% two row barley, which is malted on site. It's also a four grain whiskey, which is not something that's usually um, seen often in the whiskey world. Yeah, usually most uh, bourbons that we see usually are three grain. Uh, so seeing something that's four grain uh, as a part of their staple offering is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. All right, let's, uh, let's get into it. Let's see what we got on the nose here. Very sweet. Yeah, so right off the bat, I get a little bit of that sweetness. I'm getting just an undercurrent of like vanilla, some spiciness. I'm getting a candy corn. Yeah, I can see that. Get a little bit of the oakiness on the nose. There's a there's just a tinge of sourness on this, but it's not a bad sour. It's it's just it's an interesting sour, I would say. I can see that kind of like a sour like a sour patch. Candy corn. Yep, definitely. I could see that. All right, let's uh, let's hop into the palate. Cheers. Cheers. A lot of good spice on that. I'm still the, getting very sweet. Very sweet. the The note I wrote down earlier, I was tasting this earlier. I'm getting it again. Is it almost starts out as like a, a if you've ever had Verners, which I know not everybody has, but if you've ever had Verners, the ginger ale. It's, it's a flat a, burners. It's a flat burners. It has that degree of spiciness that mm. burners has, but 
but it's just not carbonated. It doesn't have kind of the brightness of the carbonation. Um, definitely get a little bit of the cereal notes. Yeah, on it. the grainy notes. Mm-hmm. But it's like, um, a, for me, it's a green grainy. It's not like an old cut dry grass grainy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see, I could see what you're saying there. And I don't, I don't find that off-putting. I know some people mm-hmm. find some of the cereal notes kind of off-putting when they get those. Um, in this particular case, I, I really don't. I think I saw on their website that this is aged five years. Um, doesn't say that on the bottle, at least that I saw um, for our particular bottle. But, um, but overall, really enjoyable. Just it has that nice set of, you know, sweet and spicy notes, um, and that little bit of kind of ginger. Um, oh, that's that the spice up. I'm getting. I was trying to figure out what the spice was. I can see it very gingery. Which goes right in line with that flat Verner's note, mm-hmm. you know, because Verner's is technically ginger a ginger ale. Yep. So, second sip, getting in, getting a little bit of the sourness on the mid to late palate that I was talking about mm-hmm. from the, the oak uh, influence and things like that. Again, not not a bad sourness per se. Like nope. it's not something that I find off-putting or I'm like ew. It it's just it has an interesting tinge to it. It's like an applejack. The candy apple, the 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 cereal apple jacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see a little bit of that apple note and a little bit of like the ginger and, and spiciness. Mm-hmm. Gives it a little bit of that apple jack kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, and certainly a little with a little bit of the oatiness, um, or a little bit of the graininess um, that you would get on like apple jack cereal. Yeah, shows up in here too. Yeah, nice pour, really yeah. enjoyable. Um, they have a variety of different offerings. This is. They're a regular 90-proof offering. Um, they do have cask-strength versions, and they do also have rye that they put out um, with uh, bottled and bond as well as uh, cask-strength ryes mm-hmm. that are available too. Now we're going to delve in on the topic for this week, which is getting started on the path uh, towards financial independence. I'm uh, going to talk a little bit about our story and how we got into financial independence, talk a little bit about um, how we got started on the path, We'll delve into some of those ways that you can potentially use to get started. And then once you've started to get some education, start to learn a little bit more, some of the first steps that you could potentially take in terms of getting on that path. So so with that, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, just getting started on the path. Let's talk about what I've seen typically happens. I think what a lot of people talk about when it comes to um, getting on the path of financial independence, usually there's some sort of triggering event. There's usually something that is a trigger for someone to, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, wake up. There's usually some sort of trigger for someone to start wanting something like this or in terms of financial independence, to want to start building um, some sort of independence when it comes to money and life and those types of things. Kind of what was our trigger? What was our, like, it's, because it's been a while. This is not a new journey that we are on. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I was trying to think back to when it started. Like, I was mentioning talking with you earlier. Like, I can only think back about 10 years, and that was when we were meeting with a financial planner. But we already, st- we, by we, I mean you, already helped start us along that path beforehand. So it had to have been, 10 years plus yes. and I'm trying to really think what it was that started your thought process going down the hey 
we should probably pay attention to our money and figure out how we could set ourselves up. That was it. And what you just said right there was exactly the thing, was paying attention. Because I made a call to the company that handles our 401k and realized that I, I hadn't really done anything with it for a while. So I made this call to the company and I said, hey, I'm looking for a little bit of financial advice because they offer that as a part of the service. They say, mm -hmm. hey, we're, we're, we'll give you some guidance. We'll give you some things that is a part of what we do because we uh, service the 401k for you. And so I realized that I probably could be doing a little bit better with my 401k. And I hadn't really done much with it. I'd been putting money into it. I'd been getting the match because that's one of the things everybody talks about in the financial spaces is make sure you're at least getting the match in your 401k if they offer it because that's free money. Mm -hmm. Like you're not doing anything above and beyond what you'd already be doing to get There's, that. Yep. So that's where I started and I called and they asked the question. They're like, why are you invested the way that you're invested? And right there I knew that there was probably an opportunity More. and I needed to know a little bit. Well, more. I like the words this and this, and I like the country Spain. So I went with that company. Yeah. Not, not quite that extreme. Although I do know that there are some people who do that. <laughs> um, but I was overweighted in bonds at the time in like twenties and thirties and the, exactly the position you don't want to be in because you don't want safe assets at that point. So you're 20, saying 20s and 30s, like you're 20-year-old and 30-year-old. Like 20s and 30-year-old and was more heavily weighted into bonds. And so as soon as the, the person on the other end of the line at the company said, why have you made some of these decisions? You have plenty of runway. You should be you know, aiming for more growth assets. And, mm -hmm. you, and right there I realized like, all right, th we're not well invested when it comes to the 401k things like that i need to know more and so that that's where i started learning and started trying to find out okay if i don't have enough information how do i start to get more information what do i start to do and so that kicked off me starting to do a bunch of reading on different books and blogs um wasn't really into podcasts at that time, but a lot of books and blogs. I don't think there were really podcasts at that time. I mean, there definitely were some, but they weren't as prolific as they are today. Um, but that that was the, the big start. That was the big triggering event. And I think a lot of folks have some sort of triggering event like this that they go through where they realize, I need to pay more attention. I need to do this, and we use this word a lot, you need to do this intentionally. So basically, it was just someone asking you why, and you going, uh, oh. Yeah, and it was as simple as someone asking the question, hey, why are you set up this way? It, that probably isn't going to help you get to the outcome of being able to retire. You're not going to see the, the amount of growth because mm. the assets that you're invested in aren't set up for that. So it shows a whole, you think you're doing the right thing, like, oh, I got a 401k, I'm going to retire, but then realizing that you have to do more to it than just, I got a 401k, so I'm fine to retire. Like, right? it's not that, I want, I'm not going to say simple, but it's not that plain. No, you can say that. It's not that simple. It is, it is not that simple to just say, oh, I'm going to throw my money in a 401k 
and not pay attention to what you're investing in inside of that. That's not enough. So it's almost like it, because I know we didn't go out over any of this in school. I didn't go over any of this in school. It's almost like you have the false hope, the false dream that if you get a job or you get a 401k, then you are set and you're going to retire, but there's more to it. Absolutely. And the landscape has changed really in the last, I would say, 50 to 60 years in terms of retirement. Pensions used to be far more common. And people staying with their companies for you know, 25, 35, 45 years of service, like that used to be the norm and mm-hmm. you would get a pension and everything like that. That's all changed. And to your point, as some of that has changed, we also have not been increasing the financial literacy Very true. of people when we should be. And I think that like when I went through home oh, economics, gosh. it was like, hey, this is how to this is how to fill out your checkbook and manage your checkbook. That's, that's a wasted skill now. Yeah. And who actually still does that? I'm sure that there's a couple of people out there. I who do, do. I do write a check every now and then for certain bills. But um, that's true. Like. So things changed, but they haven't, but you're still running on an old school message. Yeah. And so the, as I understand it, the times are starting to catch up a little bit and some schools are starting to do more around financial education and helping kids understand, hey, you need to learn how to do saving. You need to learn how to do investing. You need to learn how to build a budget, but not every school is like that and not, not Everyone is learning that. Mm-hmm. And we certainly didn't learn that. When I know we, were we graduated kids. five years ago. We didn't learn that at all five years ago. Yeah, five years ago. Mm-hmm. I wish. The, the good news is we did have that triggering event to go, hey, I need to pay attention and need to, to go actually mm-hmm. invest some time and effort into this. And then uh, my, what I will say is probably an undiagnosed ADHD brain went deep on starting to learn and really just trying to understand mm-hmm. how to get into things. And then we said, Oh, we, we probably should, you know, have someone help us with this. And that's when we looked into getting a financial advisor. Yep. So then we came up, you came up with the idea like, Hey, we should go see a financial planner to help us along the way. Yeah. R- realized, Oh, like, Hey, we need to make sure that we are, maximizing some of our investments that we haven't been taking advantage of the way that we should have, like our IRAs and Mm -hmm. things like that. And so started working through that also started working through eliminating some of our debt at that point too. Yeah. Cause I think if I remember correctly, I think the original thing was you had the catalyst that got you questioning where you're going through. Then you deep dove into research. Then I think it was like a quick, we're going to cut back on a lot of expenses. We're going to bust out our, our debt and we're going to go through this and we're going to really mindfully put our money in different places. And then I think then that triggered the financial, let's talk to financial planner, see like what avenues, what else do we have to do to set ourselves up for success? Yeah. And I think at that point I had a influence from like Dave Ramsey, but was not fully into like the financial peace university full on to the Dave Ramsey baby steps, but we did apply some of the things that we learned from 
uh, Dave Ramsey like the debt snowball, being able to say, hey, we're going to pay these debts down and knock this debt out. And then once we knock that one out, then we'll start to apply that money and additional money to this other debt and then start to, to work through those things. And that's when I think debt really became kind of a dirty word for us. I think it became something that we, that in, at least in my mind, it became something that it didn't mean I had to have forever. Yes. It didn't mean that part of life is having debt, like where I always thought that that was just in life. You have debt. like So I think in having, going through you explaining all that to me, because let's be realistic, you do all the researching, you give me the cliff notes, and then I jump on board. So I think that was the first time I went, oh, I, I don't have to carry all these loans or credit card bills like I could do some things about it like that's not just an average just everyday part of life it's like okay you're born you do all this you go to school you have debt you have debt you die so in all that it it put debt into a different perspective it's no longer a part of what I have to have forever but it made us really at least in my mind made us really think about debt make sure it was our spending was intentional and mindful and it wasn't just because I thought that that's what you're supposed to do, which is, I guess, stepping out of that super um, capitalistic, consumeristic style of, of, okay, so I paid off this car, so I need another car. I don't know who I might be talking about that always kind of had a car loan for a while because once I paid one off, I went, oh, I get another car now. I paid that one off. Let's get a new one. Yeah. And going, oh, oh, maybe I should revisit how I look at that. What's funny is you're you're not alone in that mentality. That what you just described as far as oh I paid off my car loan so now it's time to get a new car. A lot of people in the United States have ascribed to that for a very long time, where they they feel like okay well, I don't have that debt anymore it's time to get a new car, and that is one way that you can certainly choose to live. But understand that you are effectively always putting yourself back into that debt unless you're buying these cars outright. So mm -hmm. like you're effectively paying for the privilege of borrowing that money. And that's the part that really resonated with me is like, I don't want to have to pay extra money if I don't have to. So it's kind of trade-offs, right? You could spend all this, you could have all this things, but what do you, what are you, what are you losing or what, what are you trading in, in, in exchange for that? Right. So in having the the car the consistent consistent car loans, what are you trading for that? Well, I'm trading in that I could be using that money elsewhere. I could be investing in myself. I could be going on different trips. I'm not tied down to oh I have this car loan I have to pay. Right, and being able to redirect that money and use that money in other places rather than say oh I have to pay off this car loan again. Being able to do other things and effectively buy other things and I'll talk a little bit about essentially buying independence and buying security. Mm -hmm. That's a mindset shift that I think has happened more recently for me in the last couple of years. But stepping back, continued to keep on learning about investment as we started working with that financial advisor, mm -hmm. continued to read and while applying some of the Dave Ramsey piece of things. Um, continue to learn and continue to grow reading things like uh, the Bogleheads forums, reading things like uh, Mr. Money Mustache, uh, who is a big financial independence and probably credited as one of the, the very earliest 
uh, folks who had financial independence content. Okay. And so um, continued to read that and kept learning and found out that our financial advisors weren't really giving us great advice in terms of how to invest, mm -hmm. in terms of how to direct our money. And in that growth, learned that wanted to start having more control, wanted to start managing more closely to how much things were costing us, to your point. Mm -hmm. And when we were with that financial advisor, was looking at like the basis points of what they were selling us. And I want to say it was somewhere in the neighborhood of like, uh, like 150 basis points. So 1.5%. And I remember you asking a question about how much is something like, it was just a detailed like, Here's this plan. Here's the thing I want you to do. It's a great investment. Here's this overview. And you asked like a very specific detailed question and she couldn't give you the answer right away. Yeah. I think for me, that was the trigger and going, oh, if you can't answer these questions and I would think I'm a, and I'm a noob on figuring out financial things. So if this is a question that I'm bringing to you and you don't have that answer like within a quick come around. What are you? What am I paying what, you for? Yes. What like, I am not getting the advice that I should be getting and the guidance that I should be getting. So that was a pretty good indicator that they may not have our best interest in mind if they can't answer some simple questions about what it is that they were selling us. And really, that kind of put the the nail in the coffin for us having a financial advisor because I had started to want more control was feeling confident enough to be able to take the step away mm -hmm. and realize that we didn't need their advice and their advice wasn't worth what we were paying for it because it wasn't really worth anything. That's true. If you could answer your own questions with a little research, why pay someone else that's going to probably have to get back to you in a few weeks anyways? Yeah. And... I realize that, that that's not for everybody. Not everybody necessarily has that desire. But I think most people who usually start to develop that interest in financial independence usually have that same streak of, hey, I can figure this out and I can understand how to do this on my own and I can build that confidence over time through education, through learning. And you know, from there, we really started to amp up our savings and prioritize investing and what I would say kind of most recently is, is that's where we've become really super savers. And that change that I mentioned earlier about uh, that change to buying your independence. Mm -hmm. That's what I look at it as every time that we make an investment mm -hmm. in our 401ks or in our IRAs and things like that, what we're buying is security and we're buying freedom our freedom to choose right we're buying that i'm not tied down like I'm, freedom it's freedom it's you are able to make choices that you think would best serve you instead of i'm tied to this thing i have this thing is making most of my choices for me right and feeling like i have the ability based on the investments that we're making in the future to be able to make some choices if i ever want to around if and when I choose to work. And I I know for a lot of folks, that's one of the biggest things, you know, naturally in the financial independence retire early piece, a lot of people do focus on the RE piece of things. 
Like, mm-hmm. oh, you want to retire early. Maybe a little early. But what I really want is the flexibility. I really want the option to be able to choose how to spend my time. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I think as I've listened to some of the podcasts and watched the YouTube videos and seen how people talk about this, this is, I think, an evolution of how people talk about financial independence is, is that you cannot buy time. That, that's my biggest mindset because I focused on retiring. I want to retire early. I want to retire early. Let's save all my money. I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire. Then that you cannot buy time. That came in with some of the things that you were listening to. That is now that's kind of starting to change how I look at things. So if you kind of want to explain the what does that mean? You can't buy time. How do you if you want to retire early and a freedom? What is the you can't buy time thing? So you, you can't buy time, which is why a lot of people focus on retiring early. I can make more money. I can always make more money. And I, that's a re, another resource that I can get. I can always go out and buy more things if I really wanted to. Uh, but when it comes to resources, our time is finite. And we don't know how much of that we have. It's impossible for any of us to know exactly how much time we have here. And so therefore... I want to make sure that I'm trying to get the most out of that and use that resource relatively wisely. So are you trying to say I want to live a spirited life? Yes, absolutely. And I think that that's where we've done a decent job of trying to make sure that we balance how much we are working towards financial independence and how much we still invest in experiences in in our life. And I think we've always exemplified that, but that's become a little bit more clear in the last couple of years mm-hmm. about making sure that we're working towards both of those things as hard as we can and as hard as we want to. Yeah, I think that's where my mindset went because it went from, oh my gosh, don't spend anything. Save, 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 save. You could retire. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I, I, I think I overheard one of, you, your, one of your podcasts when you were like, getting ready in the morning. I was getting ready in the morning. It's like, you would love to do all these things, but like legit, there's things you just can't do when you're 80. Like your body is just, yeah. it doesn't matter unless you're, even you're that Jack, whatever guy, that Jack, that super strong guy. Jack LaLanne, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. Even like, there's just some things you can't do. Or if you do it, it's not going to be the same experience that if you do it in your forties. So you got to balance out the, the, re- Saving for retirement, saving for not having to work, but also enjoying those moments when you can. Like you said, okay, so I think when I was talking about wanting to retire, and you're like, well, what are you going to do when you retire? Can you do any of that now? Like, why Why does it always have to wait till you are retired? How can you balance that so you can do the things that you want to do when your body is ready and able to do it? And then also set yourself up that you don't have to work forever. Unless you want to. Yeah, un- unless you want to. But having the option, mm-hmm. having the choice, having the choice about how you want to spend your time mm-hmm. and being able to, to have that choice is how I see that. And being able to make some of those choices now while still looking towards the future and saying, I want to be able to give myself more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Every time I see that money going into the 401k, every time I see the money going into the IRA, Every time I see the money going into the brokerage account, Mm -hmm. I remind myself that that's what I'm buying. I'm buying myself flexibility. I'm buying myself the ability to do what I want in the future. 
I have nothing to add to that. That's that was fine. mic droppy. <laughs> it was a little mic droppy. <laughs> Boom. So we talked about kind of what was our catalyst, what triggered our, our change of thought, um, kind of little bits of how we looked at things um, in the beginning. So kind of what, what what's next? Yeah. So it mentioned a lot of learning. And that, that really is the place to start is where do I start to learn about this stuff? And, and obviously, if you're here and you're watching this, you're at least somewhat interested in this. And so you're already headed in the right direction. You're headed in the right path. And the good news is, is that there is no better time to learn about this than today. Because everything that's happened before this and because of the plethora of books and blogs and podcasts and, and YouTube YouTubes. channels that are all available, even conferences that are available. Like if you really get into this, like you start going to conferences and you could start learning from people that way. Um, local meetup groups and things like that. There is no better time to try to learn about this stuff because people have been now talking about it and sharing their experiences, mm -hmm. much like what we're trying to do here. They've been doing that for quite a few years now. And so, there's some books that I started with that I've read. And there's books that um, are that show up consistently and regularly in the industry. And uh, to touch on a few of those, to touch on a few of the, the blogs and the podcasts that were a part of kind of our education. And then we'll have additional notes in the show notes that talk about all the different books and blogs and podcasts. Uh, obviously, above and beyond what we're talking about Links here. Links galore. Links galore available for That's you. That's my drag name. Yeah. Links galore. That's my drag name. Sorry, I just took that off the rails. That's okay. A couple books that that I've read that have influenced my thinking on this. So, Intelligent Investor, uh, Your Money or Your Life, which is one of the most recent ones, and that really is one of the ones that shaped my most recent thinking about um, time and uh, things like that. Um, Die with Zero is another one that. Uh, is in that same vein that is about living and making sure that you're working on investing and working on setting yourself up for success, but then also making sure that you're living along the way. And then over on the, the blog side of things, there's a, a variety of different blogs that are out there. They used to be more popular now podcasts and, and YouTube have kind of supplanted a lot of that, but there's still some really good ones that are out there. Um, Mr. Money Mustache is one that a lot of people start with and they hear a lot about because it's one of the oldest and most well-established. And a lot of people look at the, the simple math for early retirement. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's probably his most referenced article. Okay. And it talks about, Hey, here's some math that shows how you can do this, how you can work towards getting to financial independence. And in his case, retiring early. Um, one that I'll lump into blogs, but isn't really a blog, is the Bogleheads Forum. Mm. Wealth of information available out on the Bogleheads Forums. Any question that you can imagine as it relates to kind of this thinking, this mindset, and how to approach things has probably been answered out on those forums. Okay. Um, and then I would say the, you know, most recently and probably where I get most of my information these days is through podcasts and YouTube videos. And in there, probably my most common ones that I listen to on a regular basis, Choose FI, mm -hmm. Afford Anything, mm -hmm. Stacking Benjamins, Money Guy Show, 
Um, and I still like NPR's Planet Money. I love Planet Money. And even if I, I there's something about the storytelling way about it, because even if I don't fully care about the topic as I listen to it, they like draw me in. Yeah, they have a way of making those stories interesting. It's a very good storytelling. That's Planet Money is very good for the person that really is like, I know I should care about this, but I really don't like this. Not my brain. Yeah, I like that one. They definitely find a way to make it and keep it interesting. Uh, and then, of course, there's uh, Clark Howard and Dave Ramsey, two other really well-known. But admittedly, I don't listen to them or watch them very much. But I think generally speaking, they have good messages that they're sharing out there around, um, you know, financial independence and how to approach, you know, your own finances. Um, I think the, the most important thing, though, is to get started and is to start to learn and start to pick something up. Um, even if it's if you have no money to spend, mm -hmm. Paul Merriman has a free book available on his website and he literally is asking to give it away. And you can start with Paul Merriman's book. You can start with the videos on YouTube and you can start with podcasts mm -hmm. if you can't get a book or go to your library. Because that was one of the things I was asked, like where, like if you, as a, someone like me that gets overwhelmed, I don't know where to start. Like what is the first thing, like what is the first step you would tell me to do? Yeah. So the, the, the first thing I would tell you to do is to find a resource and start to look into that. Um, I know several of the podcasts and YouTube channels and blogs that are out there have places to start that they say, hey, start here. So Choose FI has their episode 100, for example, which is the Welcome to FI. And they kind of talk generally about the FI concepts and, and mm -hmm. those types of things. That's where they want you to start. Find something like that that is designed to be that starting point. Okay. Um, the I Will Teach You to Be Rich, Ramit Sethi's book, is a great place to start. The Your Money or Your Life, A Millionaire Next Door, if you read one of those as a mm -hmm. starting point from there, you'll start to develop some ideas and you'll start to ask some additional questions. Then you can go out and start to find answers for those additional questions. And what will naturally happen is you'll blossom out. If you just have that learning mindset, if you want to learn more about this, you want mm -hmm. to learn more about how to do this. And frankly, even on some of the investment sites, so Fidelity and Vanguard, uh, have lots of resources to help you learn and understand how these things work. Well, and I think that links back to that's kind of how your catalyst was. You went to your work 401k place and asked a question, asked some sort of question, and they asked another question, and you went, oh, yep, rabbit hole. There we go. Yeah, and that kicked off an amazing journey. Yeah. So when that trigger happens, don't ignore it. Listen to that trigger. Listen to that and start your journey there and start to develop that interest, mm -hmm. start to spend that time and start to build that learning. Even if it's, I'm going to listen to some podcasts, go for a walk, take your dog for a walk and listen to podcasts. That's one of the ways that I listen a lot mm -hmm. these days is I'll take Amos for a walk and we'll go do two miles. And in those two miles, I can easily listen to, you know, anywhere from a 30 to 45 minute podcast. Mm -hmm. And I would even say, like, once you get your toe in something, if it doesn't feel right, like, if you're just like, okay, I don't, this, this storytelling or the way that this book is written or something, like, don't quit. Like, it's not a quick turnaround time on anything. Like, ours goes back at, what, at least 15 years mm -hmm. that we started on this. Like, we're coming into this several stages into our, our journey yeah. and realize it's a 
journey. Like there's no quick, there's no quick fix. There's no quick millionaire. There's no quick way to do anything. And if you don't find one thing that fits your style, keep looking. There's mm-hmm. got to be something out there that's going to fit kind of how you, how you learn your interest level and things like that. There's definitely been some that I have listened to and I will give those about three or five episodes of a listen or things like that. And then I'll just discover, you know, you what? just didn't, yeah, didn't, didn't gel with you. It just doesn't gel with me. And that's okay. So there is enough content out there at this point mm-hmm. where you should be able to find someone who speaks in a voice that you like and appreciate mm-hmm. and resonates with you. So the, the last thing that I would say is, is make sure that you're taking a look at the different tools that are out there that are available. You've probably seen some of these already. If you've heard of Dave Ramsey's Baby Steps, that's a good example of you know how to approach it, how to think about how to get started. But he's not the only one out there that has those. Another good example is the Money Guy Show. They have their financial order of operations. And what I would suggest is go out and take a look at you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of two to four of those different uh, ways to get started or order uh, in terms of how to take action. And then look at the commonalities across all of those things. And what you can do is either you can pick one of those up and say, yeah, this one seems to make sense to me and I'm going to go use this. Or you could take a step back and go, you know what? I'm going to pick and choose, which is what we ended up doing. Mm-hmm. Because we used a little bit of kind of the the Dave Ramsey, the debt snowball yep. And, yep. and start to build up your emergency fund and things like that. But then at a certain point, they said, yeah, I don't know necessarily that focusing on paying off the house makes sense for us. Now, mm-hmm. eventually we did. Yeah. Um, and But we chose to do a little bit different order of operations. Um, and actually it looks closer to what the Money Guy Show talks about in their financial mm-hmm. order of operations um, in terms of what we ended up doing. So it doesn't hurt just to take information in and, and customize it to what works best for your your lifestyle, your mindset, your goals. Absolutely. And everyone is a little bit different. Everyone's got a little bit different context. Everyone's going to emphasize things a little bit differently. And I think you talked about that a little bit earlier, that because of that, people are all going to approach this a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. As long as you're hitting the broad brushstrokes, you're probably doing all right. Some people may feel more comfortable with paying off their house earlier than later. Some people may look at it and go, yeah, you know what? I've got a really low rate on that and I don't want to pay that off because I could actually be making more investing in different in other ways. Mm-hmm. So, so you just got to look at your own situation. You got to do some reflection and goal setting and then um, tracking. And what else have we talked about that I could throw in here? I think you pretty much hit on it right there. <laughs> but and and it, and it has to be on a continuous level. It can't just be once. But you have to you have to check you have to do those check-ins. You have to do those okay, where am I at? Is, am I at where I thought I should be or oh wait a second, I'm in a different level here so I could switch things up. It's not a one and done. It's not a set it one and done type thing. It's it's a continual process. Yeah. There should be some ways that we're continually looking back and making those adjustments over time as the context changes. Mm-hmm. As you make more money, as you do pay off some of those debts, as your, you know, family changes, maybe you have kids Mm -hmm. and, you know, if you didn't have kids before and then all of a sudden now you have a new baby, well, they're expensive, right? They're absolutely expensive. And so you may have to change your strategy and change Mm -hmm. your plan at that time. And that's okay. 
life is like that, where there the only constant is change that that we're going through, and so we should be looking back at this over time and readjusting our plan based mm-hmm. on how things are changing, based on you know I don't know. For example, if someone has a new job, they're going to be getting. I don't know who that might be. Congratulations on your new job. Thank you. And that first, that job in the long term is going to be an amazing uh, salary and things of that nature. But in the short term, it's it's going to be a little bit tight. And so taking that into consideration and being able to, to grow with that. I think that's also a great example of the financial freedom or financial independence that I was able to take this amazing opportunity, even though it's a few months of pretty much part-time work. But in the end, it's going to be like full-time amazing growth. But I, I, I have to have that, that the few months of things are a little little tight, but we're in a position where I could take that part-time work for a few months and grow in that opportunity instead of being like, Ooh, I can't, I, I can't do this cause I have all these bills. Yeah. And to me, that is an affirmation of the things that we've been doing. Mm-hmm. That is the type of flexibility that we're looking for. That is the type of security that we now have for you to be able to make that change and be able mm-hmm. to take that step. Even if it means temporarily, we're not going to be making as much money as mm-hmm. we typically would be. That's okay. We'll be all right. Yeah, and it's, it's the it's the it's the the moment of going. We could take this different opportunity. We could take this different approach, and we'll be okay. Instead of going, that's a great opportunity, but it's going to put us in a horrible position. Yeah, two very different situations. I'm very grateful for our situation. Thank you very much. And we like to end every episode with highlighting something that filled our spirit this week. So it fills your spirit. So this week we were able to help support our friends as they were having an event to celebrate the work that they had done to support another one of our friends. Uh, we were doing some of the background work to help make things happen um, on the YouTube channel and make sure that things were flowing relatively smoothly and that they didn't have to worry about a few things. So it was nice to be able to help support them that way and um, help event go off without a hitch how about you mine was a little more low-key i think um saturday i just hung out with the dog on my lap the lights were low i watched tv cuddled up in a blanket is is everything my my introverted spirit needed to refresh and i think sometimes remembering is those quiet times that could also refill our spirit and it doesn't have to be something that's that's big or grandiose or exciting but those moments that i just have time for me Sometimes those are the best times. Especially when there's a puppy involved. Absolutely. Alrighty, and that wraps up what we're talking about this week. What do we have on tap for next week? Yeah, so for next week, we're going to be talking about being cereal triers. So I could bring some Lucky Charms and Apple Jacks? Uh, not that cereal. More along the lines of cereal where we keep on trying new things and different things, and we do that consistently and regularly. Okay. In the meantime, we hope you live a spirited life. The topics and information on a spirited life should not be taken as financial advice and should be considered for entertainment purposes only.